This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Our kids don't do that. We're like, oh, I don't know if that's safe. I don't know. We have to kind of let go and let them be the age that they are and be at the income level and lifestyle level that they're at. And it's hard because there is peer pressure. So that's another thing that we're competing with as well. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're going to do two things. First, we'll be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about boomerang kids. Yeah, these are the uh, adult children coming home after the pandemic, staying there, and then not going anywhere. (laughs) We're going to talk to Bobby Rebell about how to get these adult children to launch. Second, we're back with our internet money segment. This quarter, we're going to be featuring Tiffany Higgins, who is here to share her story about creating a work-from-home bookkeeping business that allowed her to make more money than her previous job, work less, and be a present parent. This may be something other parents are interested in exploring as well. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from John through my newsletter, and here it is. I'm curious about your thoughts on the boomerang kids coming back home to live with their parents during the pandemic, and it seems to have continued past the pandemic. I have a teenager, and I do not want to have her be a boomerang kid in her 20s. Advice on how to prevent this from John. John, thank you very much for connecting through my newsletter. If you want to join my bi-weekly newsletter like John, you can do that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. You'll get the 10 steps we took to pay off our mortgage early as a free gift. Back to John. John, this is a very, very interesting question. And it's actually one that I think about a lot. I think about it with my wife. We have conversations about this. We're raising kids with a lot of privilege and we recognize that. So how do we keep them humble and eventually independent? Those are the thoughts that are running through our head here in our house. But since I don't have teenagers yet, I thought I'd get a little help from a parent and an author who knows teens very well. So to help me answer your question, John, I've invited Bobby Rebell on the podcast today. She is the author of a launching financial grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. Bobby is also a financial literacy advocate, the host of the Money Tips for Financial Grownups podcast and the founder of grownupgear.com. Bobby was previously a global business news anchor and personal finance columnist at Reuters and held various journalist positions at top news outlets, including CNBC, CNN, and PBS. When Bobby is not helping launch financial grownups, she enjoys spending time with her husband and golfing. Welcome back to the show, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, golfing became my pandemic passion, right? We all have our little pandemic hobbies that we picked up. Absolutely. And it's springtime now. And gosh, man, we got to get out there and golf. I think that'd be a great way for everybody to enjoy a little sunshine. So let's help John here with his question. What steps can John take to help his current teen not become a boomerang kid in her 20s? 
Well, first of all, John, thank you for your question. And I do want to commend you because it's important as parents that we remember that our job is to raise grownups. And I love the fact that you are thinking ahead to how you can set your child up for success. And that's half the battle right there is that you're actually planning and being strategic about it and thinking about it. So what you want to do is also pass it on to your daughter and make sure that she understands that you have that expectation that she's not going to boomerang. What I would caution you about is really drawing a line in the sand. You should set up your expectation that when she's done with college, when she's in her 20s, you hope that she will not have to come back and live with you. But you also don't want to make her feel unwelcome or make her feel like in a pinch, you're not going to be there as a safety net unless you really aren't, which my gut feeling is you'd be there in a pinch, right? So how can you set them up for success? First of all, you want to make sure that when they get to the point when they're, let's say, out of college, they are in the best financial position possible. So that might be making sure that they get out of college without an overwhelming amount of student debt, ideally no student debt. So they're not battling debt because that's a big reason a kid might move home. The other thing you might think about is, do they have a nest egg? Because in order to rent an apartment or even to buy a home, they need to have that cushion, both an emergency cushion and also savings. Because when you rent an apartment, you might have to put down, well, you will have to put down a deposit. You might be paying a real estate agent and all of the associated costs with setting up a home. What you might do for her is say, well, I don't want you to move home, But here, I'm going to also put aside some resources and I'm going to help you. Maybe you'll co-sign for that first rental apartment, right? Maybe you'll say, well, I will temporarily subsidize you this percentage for the first month going down by a few percentage points every month. So it's very clear that there's an exit ramp, but making it easier for them, for your child to set up their life living independently from you and helping them understand what their life is going to cost. So maybe you sit down maybe a year before that timeline is going to start before she graduates from college and say, let's go through, what does it look like for you to live in your own apartment? Is it not going to be financially viable? Well, how do we make it viable? How many roommates do we need? Do we need to be in a different neighborhood? Do we need to have maybe lower expectations about what kind of space you're going to have? Maybe you're going to be in a tinier apartment than ideally, but have those conversations so you've got the expectations out there and then let them know that you are there for them, but to help them live independent from you. I love this. And it's all about communication, starting these conversations early, maybe just to sharing even your feelings about the news that you're reading about the boomerang kids and having those conversations and seeing where the conversation goes. Question, Bobby, at what point in the sort of mid-teens realm can we expect kids to maybe earn a little bit of money and then start to take on some financial responsibility? Maybe it's not paying in the mortgage or whatever at your house or anything like that in your teens, but how can we slowly give them more responsibility so that we're launching them? I love that question. So that is why I start my book at age 16 and it goes to age 26 as sort of the range of the kids' age that I focus on. And that's primarily because I chose 16 because that's when in most states, kids can start to drive. And that's the first big financial responsibility that a lot of kids have. And it can be a motivator for them to start earning money independently. That is not to say that they should not and cannot be earning some money in different ways when they are younger. I'm all for the lemonade stands. I'm sure you've put your kids to work in some way. Oh, you know it. (laughs) But kids, yeah, kids definitely, kids like to earn money, whether it's even for just tours around the house or if they're earning money to raise money for a fundraiser for school, that's still earning money, even if it's going to a charity. So it's not to say it shouldn't happen earlier, but in terms of having a real tangible responsibility, like a car, where maybe they can have skin in the game by paying the insurance, by paying for their gas. It's, It's, cars are complicated because sometimes we want the kids to have it so that they can take the burden of driving their siblings around and stuff like that. So it's 
delicate how much we want to say you got to pay for the car yourself. Sometimes it makes financial sense for us to subsidize that car, but that's sort of a good starting point. And it's also an age when you know, businesses of people that you don't know, strangers might hire them because 16 <laughs> is sort of an age that for many kids, they have the maturity to be able to handle a job at, you know, maybe like a chain store. I know I had jobs at a local bakery growing up. I worked gift wrap desk at a small department store in high school and college. I worked at a store called The Lodge, which is kind of like The Gap. It involved a lot of folding clothing in a very specific way, Andy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it teaches it teaches attention to detail. That's the truth of it, right? Yeah. And uh, inventory day was always fun. Oh, yes. Always. I always seem to have classes on inventory day, and I I couldn't go in there in college. I I had a really excellent job at Eddie Bauer folding sweaters as well when I I think I was 19. They played the same loop of music over and over again. I think it was the same 12 songs. So Manic Monday, I probably heard Manic Monday probably (laughs) seven times in a shift. So I I was about to lose my marbles at that time. But as you said, it's humbling. So we're opening up communication. We're sharing expectations, maybe setting some goals like you're talking about. Maybe, hey, this would be good to have a little bit of money for when you get your first place, first month's rent or something like that. And then helping them to feel comfortable, maybe empowering them a little bit with a little bit of income. Talk about outside of the financial benefits of that. What are the emotional, I guess, physical benefits of of a teen gaining some responsibility? It gives them so much confidence and it gives them you know, faith in themselves to know that you believe in them and that you don't feel the need to constantly rescue them, that you believe they can do it. And we all look, I mean, which, how many of us still have imposter syndrome, right? We kind of feel like we're faking it all as we go on through life. We want to give our kids the confidence to know, you know, it's not just about competence, the information. It's also about confidence that they can do it and and understanding that a lot of these things are not as hard as they may think. And so I think that's really important. I think that's great. So you are a mom. You've had the opportunity to maybe see boomerang kids come back at your house. Tell us about how, how this has fared in your life. <laughs> so first of all, to be clear, I am very much still in the thick of it. And this book came about because I was having my own struggles. Let's be honest. I, I was... I have all the information on paper. I'm a certified financial planner. As you said in that lovely introduction, I spent years reporting on business news. I have lots of information about the Fed. It's great. I like to joke. I spent 10 years <laughs> reporting that the Fed did nothing. Now they're finally doing something and I'm not reporting. Say it's all the day. news now. <laughs> yeah, now it's all the news. But even now they haven't done that much yet. I mean, but anyway, inflation's out of control, but, but they're the Fed funds rate. Anyway, so I had all this information and yet... Somehow, when I told them to do stuff, they just like didn't do it. They said they would. I have really good kids. They were earning money. I was telling them, you know, open up a Roth IRA. And I said, here's my guy at the discount brokerage. You know, you can attach to my assets and they'll treat you really well. Cause, you know, if you have certain asset amounts, you can get, and that's a big tip, you can get better mortgage rates, all that if you have a certain level of, of assets in one place. So parents should attach their kids if they can get better service, you know, or or like lower fees by having more a a combined balance at at a brokerage firm or what have you. But I said, you're welcome to go on any app you want, you know, just tell me so I'm aware of what you're doing. However it works for you to set up your Roth IRA, do it, but let me know. And it just wasn't getting done. And that's when I realized that it's not enough to just know what your kids should do. There's a lot of psychology in this. And even though I definitely interviewed money experts, and by the way, we didn't mention this, you were in the book. Featured in the book. I talk about imposter syndrome. You calling me an expert is it's, it's, it's all sorts of fun. You are definitely an expert in the book, but I have money experts. I have parenting experts, but I think the best experts I had are the financial therapists because there is so much psychology in 
the way that we can teach our older kids about money, it's much more complicated. You know, little kids, I can't say they're going to do what you say. Any parent knows you can't really tell a toddler what to do. And you certainly can't tell an elementary school kid what to do. They're going to have their own ideas. But when the stakes get higher and they're older, it really is hard because there are always other priorities. And the pandemic, by the way, was sort of helpful because we had a captive audience. So when the kids boomeranged back during the pandemic, we had all three kids were living at home. We have a 14-year-old and then 22 and 25. They were all home for a while. We did have a captive audience. And I will say that that helped our relationship evolve a lot and created a lot of discussions, even though living you know, with your adult kids is not always the easiest thing to the point of our, our question from John earlier. There are a lot of benefits to having those conversations without the distractions of them constantly going out with their friends or running off to activities. It was really the first time that we had family dinners. And and the value of sitting down at a meal with your young adult kids should never be underestimated. It's a great way for things to just kind of come out if we put the phones away, I should say. Put the phones away just for a few minutes. Yeah, it's tough, especially as they've gone off and been on their own for a little while and they come back and then, oh, I've got something to show. Oh, do you? Because I've got my phone here and I'm, yes, I'm out. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. And they look, they come back, they want to be treated as adults with all the benefits of children, which is complicated. <laughs> so right. that worked. Remember when we had 15 days to stop the spread? Yes. So yes. that whole thing worked really well. For the first 15 days, sure, I'll do your laundry. Sure, we'll make every meal for you. But then as time goes on, they did need to step up and start, you know, acting as adults living in their parents' house. But as adults, it's a different relationship. You probably did a lot of research with this book about maybe some situations that have gone awry with this continuation of living at home or boomerang back home. What can this do to a grown adult that's trying to make good with their own financial situation when they've got boomerang kids at home? Oh, it can completely derail your future. And that's the real crux of, of this book is that I really, you know, was worried as I started thinking through this because I did have some friends and some very well-educated friends who should know better. Some journalist friends that write about money, Andy, not you, who said, I have taken money out of my 401k to help my adult kids. And they say, I know it's wrong, but I can't say I wouldn't do it again. That's really scary. So a lot of Adults who are nearing retirement age or in retirement will take money out of their retirement funds to help their adult kids. And very often the adult kids aren't aware that they're putting their parents in a precarious financial situation. And this can really lead to a lot of pain down the road, not only with the parents not having money themselves, then you haven't taught the kids to take care of themselves and live at the appropriate spending pattern for the resources that they actually have. Because often we want our kids to be at a lifestyle level that we're at in our 40s and 50s and they're in their 20s. I mean, and and then the, the worst thing, of course, is if, you're, if your kids become dependent on, I'm sorry, if you become dependent on your kids, that's the worst case scenario. But where I see a lot of problems, and, and I see this in, our, in my husband and, and me as well, is that we have to remember, you know, you and I were joking about the jobs we had in high school. Well, we have to remember that, you know, my husband's first, you know, apartment out of college, he says was terrifying. It was scary. I mean, I would say your parents should have subsidized you a little bit, but they weren't going to do that in that generation. They were like, you know, they, they just, it was like, you're done at 18 and that's it, whatever, you know, you're done with college. We paid for college. You're on your own. And that's what he could afford. We tend to say, oh, we don't want that. We want them to be comfortable. So then we're subsidizing them. And there is a place for that. I don't want to say that's not the right thing in some cases temporarily, but 
if we subsidize to the point where they are living at a lifestyle that we aspire to for them, that's not where they are in their life, that can be very problematic. Does that make sense? Let them be 22. Well, it reminds me of the conversation that you and I had in the book too about me wanting to have the lifestyle my parents had right when I graduated and I was making $30,000 a year, but they were making a lot more than that. And they had saved a lot to get there. I wonder if us as parents, and I guess I'll find out when I get to be you know, a parent of a, a late teen, early 20, that I'm going to want to project my lifestyle of safe and comfortable on them. And that projection might make it more difficult. I don't know. Yeah, I think that happens a lot that that we as parents sort of forget how we actually lived when we were 22 years old. And I know that I stretched to buy this apartment when I was 23 and I even saw, I'm still a good friends with her, a friend of mine that I worked at CNBC with. She did a similar thing because New York real estate was very cheap at the time. I bought a $90,000 apartment. It was it was not the fanciest apartment, let me be clear, but it was still $90,000 for you know a studio apartment in Manhattan, but I had no cash. I was very house poor and we would literally share a 99 cent box of macaroni and cheese, the two of us, because she she then did, you know, we saw how cheap the real estate market was. And by the way, we did do very well on those apartments, but we had, you know, we had stretched. And so we lived on that macaroni and cheese rather than sort of spending money that we didn't have. And we have to remember that, that it's okay to be on a tight budget when you're young. It's okay to travel and stay in one-star hotels. Or when you do a house share, I remember I did stretch to do it, but I did a Hamptons share. And I think in a house that probably is completely illegal, I'm sure. But let's say there were four bedrooms, so maybe there should have been eight people there. There were at least 30 people. They put down like... um. <laughs> This is this was so illegal. I'm sure it was illegal. I wasn't in charge though. They put down like like futons all over the place in every square foot of the house. And there were like 30 of us. And we literally like just slept on these like pads on the floor. But you remember that. And that's literally gonna be that's pad. gonna be something you're gonna but remember. But it was age appropriate. I mean, it was the Hamptons. The Hamptons, if people know, is super expensive. And I think we paid under a thousand dollars for the share. And if you had done it properly, it might have been ten thousand dollars. So and even the thousand dollars was a huge stretch at the time. So you know, you do it, it's age appropriate. When you go to a wedding, share the room with five girls, you know, and just crash, you know, on the floor, somebody sleeps on the chair, whatever it may be. I'm not, I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble, but you know, you don't need to do all the things at that age if it's not in your budget. If it is, God bless you, you know, good for you. But for many of us, it just wasn't. And we forget that, that when we traveled, we did stay at youth hostels, literally. I remember going up five flights of stairs at a youth hostel in Amsterdam. Bananas. I remember and they that hand as well. You your sheets. They hand you a pile of sheets. Community bathrooms, bunk beds. I was there too. Probably the same Amsterdam yeah, hotel hostel. <laughs> we don't do that for our kids. Our kids don't do that. We're like, oh, I don't know if that's safe. I don't know. We have to kind of let go and let them be the age that they are and be at the income level and lifestyle level that they're at. And it's hard because there is peer pressure. They're not living in a bubble. Absolutely. So that's another thing that we're competing with as well. I, I think that's a really good point. And I think it's trying to find that balance of keeping them safe and maybe keeping them too safe and then finding that middle ground that works for you, your income and your family situation. Let's talk to John and, and the other parents that are listening right now that are saying, okay, I want to keep my mindset like John, I've got a 16-year-old, let's say, and I want to help her or him not be a boomerang kid. What is one small step they could take following this interview that we could use as a takeaway? Sock away money. Start investing. But when you invest, think about where you're putting it. So as I said, my gut instinct 
was to tell the kids to load up the Roth IRAs because I'm optimistic. I believe at some point they're not going to qualify for it. They're going to make enough money that they can, they should do it now. That's my just believing in them. That said, if they have short-term goals, like saving for a down payment for a house, maybe they want it in a brokerage account. You know, be thoughtful. It's like there's a whole debate going on about 529s right now because while they're wonderful in so many ways and great tax deductions, they also have limitations. So be aware that it's not, not every investment has to be for retirement. And let them know that as much as it's important, especially when they have a corporate job and there's a match going on, you absolutely want to maximize those 401ks. I'm not saying not to do that, but don't forget to save out of those vehicles for the things that they're going to want early in life. Because if they're loading everything into retirement funds, how are they going to have a down payment for a house? How are, I mean, you can take some money out of a Roth IRA, some, but really probably not enough. And you want to have them have money for those short-term goals so they can live their life along the way. While also, of course, I, I'm not saying not to save for retirement. I hope people don't misconstrue that, but make sure that they have money accessible for life. You're specifying, hey, retirement's important, but also, hey, in order to buy a home, especially in this crazy market, saving for a down payment is not a bad idea as well. And you can do that through different savings vehicles or investing vehicles to get there. I think this is great advice, Bobby. Bobby, where can people grab your new book and then connect with you if they want to learn more? So the book is available everywhere, but you can learn more about it on my website, which is just my name, bobbyrebell.com, spelled B-O-B-B-I-R-E-B-E-L-L. You can also follow me on all the socials. On Instagram, I'm bobbyrebell1, the number one that is everywhere else. It's bobbyrebell. And I'm even, you'd be so proud of me, Andy. I'm even venturing onto TikTok. So please follow me there for super cringy video (laughs) that hopefully gives you a giggle. I'm working on it. I'm trying, but yeah, and definitely check out Grown Up Gear. If you have friends that are graduating or going through different life stages, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, new babies, super cute stuff that I'm having a lot of fun designing and will hopefully make the people that you gift stuff to smile and enjoy it. Oh, and my podcast, Money Tips for Financial Grownups. I have amazing guests like Andy on, and so please check that out as well. It's all the places that podcasts are, right? Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes for everybody to check out grownupgear.com. Nicole's really enjoying that shirt you sent her away. Thank you very oh, right. much for that. Yes. So we'll put a picture of that in the, in the show notes as well for everybody to check out. Bobby, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being in the book. Absolutely. Check it out, everybody. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking the time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. More and more people want the flexibility to work from home. If you're interested in part-time money, side hustles, or even full-time work, the internet has the money we're looking for. On our internet money segment today, we're going to interview Tiffany Higgins. Tiffany is a CPA, a mom of five, and a former bookkeeping business owner. After four years of experiencing all the amazing benefits that a virtual bookkeeping business provided to her family, she decided to launch the stay-at-home book Bookkeeper Academy, where she could teach other busy parents to follow in her footsteps and create the ideal lifestyle so that they could have their cake and eat it too. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's talk about this virtual bookkeeping business. Why did you want to start that originally? Well, I have an accounting background. So it was always my desire at some point to start my own business. It really just became something that I absolutely had to do once I had my third child. My older children were in school and they were more self-sufficient. But when I went through that whole baby stage again, it was just very apparent to me that I wasn't going to be able to work for anybody else. And so I decided to go out on a limb and start my own business. How did you get started? Because that's like a big jump. You're like working the corporate nine to five and you're like, all right, I got to try to do this at home. Were you doing both at the same time? Tell us how you got started. I actually have a traditional bookkeeping and accounting background. I was working in a CPA firm and I, I was in charge of doing all the bookkeeping for the clients there. So I knew how long it took me. I knew what he was charging those clients. And I knew that if I shifted and did my own thing, that I would probably only need to have like two or three clients working maybe like three or four hours a week to make the same amount of money. So it was kind of a no brainer for me. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know anything about marketing or how to start my own business. But I knew that it was going to be something that would be possible for me. So I just decided to quit my job and just go after it. 
Wow. Was that scary making that leap? Tell us about the conversations you had with your husband, your spouse at the same time and and how that all went. Yeah, I think it was probably more scary for him because he was like, oh, wait a second. Now we just have to pay everything off of my paycheck. I don't know about this. And but for me, it was like I had already gone through like a decade of struggling with my older kids and fighting that battle of like, do I get to be part of their lives or do I have to work outside the house and then still barely have enough money to pay for everything that we need, let alone all the things that we want. And so I was kind of fed up. Like for me, it was like a no brainer and I just was ready for something different, something more. So I knew inside I wasn't going to let myself fail. The only way you can fail is if you just stop or give up. So I knew that wasn't going to happen because I needed to make something change finally in my life. And so for me, it was easier, but I did have lots of conversations with my husband, reassuring him. I got this look, I I crunched all the numbers. I showed him how profitable it could be, you know, and he was like, well, let's give it a try. I mean, worst case scenario, I could just go get another job, right? Was there a period of time where you're doing the job and then this at night? Was there a transition? How did that work? I quit my job and then I just dove right into this. And I feel like for me, that was the best thing because I could just focus. But I do have students that have different comfort levels. So it's definitely something, you know, you can do alongside of a full-time job and build it up and then leave that nine to five whenever you feel comfortable. Or you can just dive right in and do it and go all in on yourself and on your business. That's great. Well, talk to us about the financial side of things. When did you feel pretty confident you were making the money you needed to do? And then what kind of money were you making? Yeah, it was actually really crazy, super unexpected. So when I quit, my plan was to kind of shift back into being a stay at home mom, grow this business. But but my main priority was going to be taking care of my newborn, right? And so I knew, you know, two or three clients is all I really needed. So I started doing some networking and I would bring my baby with me to like these networking meetings and meeting other business owners. And really quickly, I realized how many people need bookkeeping. Every business needs it, right? So every single person I ran into was a potential client. And most of them didn't have a bookkeeper, or they weren't happy with their their current bookkeeper. And so it was really easy to start building up my clientele. And so I get a new client one week, and the next week, I get another client and then another client. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is like a full fledged business that I could grow here. And so I started to really see the bigger picture and like where it could take us. And so I started my business in May. And by Christmas Eve, my husband retired his job like in seven months. That's incredible. So you were obviously making enough to cover your old salary and his. Is that right? Yeah. Well, at first it was like we could cover all of our basic living expenses. So, you know, we needed to make a little bit more money to get us back where we were, but at least it was enough that we didn't have to worry about like being behind on any of our bills or losing our house or anything like that. So I knew just with the the track record over the like prior, like three or four months that if things kept growing at the rate that I was growing, that we would exceed our combined salary in no time. I started working in tax season, the next tax season around, and we saved up an entire year's worth of our mortgage payment in a couple of months. So I was like, well, don't have to worry about that now. So I can just grow the business for fun and see where it takes us. Wow, that is incredible. So just help us with roundabout numbers, though, in the beginning, maybe covering the basic expenses. This is like $30,000 a year, and then it grew from there? Uh, It was more like around 60. Yeah, I was making about 60,000, like about $5,000 a month. And then, and then it just incrementally just kept growing and kept growing. 
we got to the point that in about, about three years, we were making about $20,000 a month with our bookkeeping business, working about 30 to 35 hours a week. No staff. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. So in the beginning, when you were doing like $5,000 a month, how many hours were you putting in? You said you were doing the stay-at-home mom thing as well. So that could be pretty taxing. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends on your goals. Like for example, I have five kids now and we choose to homeschool them. And of course we have the business. So even though you only maybe work like 30 hours a week on your business, or maybe even less, you're still taking care of kids and running your household all day. So, you know, you have to kind of be grateful for those little things. Right. But it is a lot of work, just like bouncing, bouncing back and forth. And when you're home all the time, you've got your kids all the time. You can't turn anything off. So you just have to be really good at learning a new skill of how to like intentionally structure your day. Absolutely. I'm thinking about those three things right now in my head of running a business, being a parent and homeschooling. It's like they didn't run separate tracks. They probably ran over each other. That's like the, the hours probably blended in, right? I mean, maybe that's the, the benefit of bookkeeping. Talk about what this transition of being a bookkeeper, owning your own business has done for you and your family now that you're, it's, it's past you and it, this is your life. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely incredible. Like I remember back when we first started this, my husband and I used to have talks all the time about like, where would we go on vacation? What experiences are we going to give the kids? Random things like that. And there was always something that stopped us, whether it was like, maybe we don't have enough in savings for it, or maybe I don't have enough vacation time, or there's some kind of deadline at work, you know, just always random things like that. Or maybe it was even the kid's school schedule. There was always something that held us back. And it wasn't until I started my business and was able to retire both of us from corporate America that we realized now we can actually do everything we've really been saying that we wanted to do. That was always really just a dream in the back of our heads. I don't think we ever thought we were going to be able to do that kind of stuff, but we actually got to do it. So like to celebrate one year in business, we bought a brand new van. Neither one of us had ever had like a brand new car. So we brought a brand new van and we loaded up the kids and we took a 16 day vacation across the country. And we stopped in some really cool places like in Estes Park and we took the kids hiking and we went to the beach and then the Grand Canyon and then circled back around home. And that whole time I was able to, you know, keep up on my clients, keep up on my business, you know, in the car in the spare time when the kids were sleeping. And it was just such a huge blessing to be able to have the freedom, time freedom and flexibility to do that, but also the money to be able to pay for something like that. I love that. We're all about owning your time on this show. Talk to us about just bookkeeping in general. You know, a lot of people could start any sort of business from their home. Why is bookkeeping a good one in your eyes? If you Google the most profitable businesses that you could start and operate, Forbes has an article out there and bookkeeping and accounting is like the number one most profitable business you can you can do. Aside from being a lawyer, which you obviously have to go to a lot of school to do, bookkeeping and accounting, you don't necessarily have to have any kind of background to do that. You just have to learn the skills. So it's a really great option and a super profitable one, flexible and in very high demand. That's one of the reasons. The other reason I love it, especially for people that have kids, is that it's super flexible on 
completing the actual work. You can do it at three o'clock in the morning. When I had twins, I used to work at 3 a.m. while one of the twins wouldn't sleep. They would never sleep from like three to five. So I would just sit with them on my lap and do my work then, especially for moms that have like kids in the background. It's loud. Most of the business owners are okay to talk at whatever time they, they you have available. Weekends, evenings, it doesn't really matter. So it's incredibly flexible. I was just going to say I'm highly impressed by the lack of noise right now that we're having during an interview with five kids. So <laughs> I invite <laughs> well, the noise. Four of them are right there. So <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're doing a great job, but it's okay if it happens. This is a family show, so you know it's all good. Let's talk about generally. You, you shared some numbers with us. That was very helpful. Thank you. When you started off, you were making around five thousand dollars a month, which is fantastic, and now you've grown it to twenty thousand dollars a month. Talk to us about what can the typical person make. I, I think you sound like a go getter, Tiffany. Let's talk about just your your every average. <laughs> day, Tiffany, what could somebody make if they say, hey, I'm going to go for this and put some time to it? And I'm a parent like you. What do you think? I love it because in our academy, we kind of have two different types of people in there. One type is people that are like super excited. They see the business opportunity and they really want to see how far they can get it. So they're working on building a seven-figure bookkeeping firm right now. But then we have other people in there that their main focus right now is to raise their kids and be a present parent, be available to them, you know, stuff like that. So they don't want to work 40 or whatever hours per week. So a lot of them, they get really comfortable with working about three to six hours a week, sometimes 10 hours a week. And they can make, you know, anywhere from like four to $6,000 a month in that range. So it can be a really nice supplement to their income or cover all of their expenses, but keeping their, their workload very, very minimal. So we kind of have two different tracks of people that join our, our program for, for those reasons. One thing that people say when they're, you know, thinking of starting their own business, yeah, you know, that sounds good, but I'm not really that good of a salesperson. I, I, don't, I don't really want to go out there and get clients or I'm nervous about that. Talk to us about that hesitation that people might have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being afraid to like market yourself, as they say, that's probably the biggest fear that most of our students face. But what we always love to tell people and another reason why bookkeeping is such a great option for people is that you don't really have to sell anything. It's not like selling a product or convincing somebody that they need to use this or they need to do things this way. Everyone needs a bookkeeper if you have a business. And so it's really about just finding and connecting with the, the people that you mesh with, that you want to work with and letting them know, hey, I do bookkeeping. I can help you with this. I'm here and available if you need me. And so really, that's all I've had to do growing my bookkeeping business. And what most of my students have to do is just connecting with people, meeting people, and then just letting them know what you do so that they can reach out to you when they need your help. That's awesome. You know, what about the person who's listening right now and they're saying, ah, uh, you know, bookkeeping, that sounds great, but I don't really have an accounting background. I don't have those sort of credentials. What would you say to that person? Most people, I'd say about 90 to 95% of the people in our academy have had no prior experience. Bookkeeping is something that can be learned very easily. And I always tell my students too, like I have an accounting degree, I have a CPA, but when I started my business, that's what I learned. Like I learned so much on the job and what they teach you in actual school is more along the lines of being a corporate accountant employee. So it's not really technical skills that you would that you would need to have your own bookkeeping business. So I learned everything really like on the job, like 
doing it myself and figuring out what business owners needed. So I've bundled that all up into much easier to digest information than going to a four-year you know, college and getting an accounting degree, whereas so much of that you're not even going to use. So it's definitely something you can learn quick. We also help students with their first client. We do unlimited personalized one-on-one Zoom calls when they get their first client and help walk them through the whole process. And when you do that one time, it kind of solidifies and what, you know, each subsequent client is going to be like. Usually by the time you have your fourth or fifth client, you feel like I've got this. I'm awesome at this. I can scale this. Awesome. That's great. Well, tell us about the course. And at the end, I'll tell people where to get it so they can link back to the show here. Tell us where and what it's all about the course you provide. We have a DIY bookkeeping course out there, but we also have a, our program is called the Bookkeeper Academy. And the Bookkeeper Academy has all the coursework, but what it really has is one-on-one support, group support. We basically hold your hand for an entire year as you grow your business. And a lot of our students have been also, in addition to growing awesome businesses, they've come back and now they also coach in there. And so it's just this huge collective, mostly moms, not all moms, but a huge collective of these ladies all working together and helping each other grow businesses. Excellent. Excellent. Well, everybody, if you want to check out Tiffany's course, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash bookkeeping. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash bookkeeping. That link will take you directly to Tiffany's course and you guys can check it out learn a little bit more about it. Tiffany, thank you so much for your time today and congratulations on building a life that you're really proud of and getting that time freedom. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to share it with your audience. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to join me and 1,400 others in the Thriving Families Facebook community. We are all about sharing and helping each other thrive. Recently, group member Pam shared some progress she's had with her goals as of late, and I wanted to share what Pam had to say. I set up an accountability group with two other women so that we can keep our families working towards our goals. We also celebrated the memorial holiday together with a cookout and homemade slip and slide instead of participating in an expensive canoe trip. Pam, this is awesome. I love this type of accountability, this type of in-person accountability and what it does to keep us moving forward with our big family goals, whether that's having difficult conversations with our teens and adult kids about the realities of life like Bobby or figuring out how to make more money from home like Tiffany, having people to lean on on your journey makes a huge difference. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Pam for sharing with us? All right, Pam. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you want to share your family financial goals with us and have a place where we can hold you accountable to those goals, please join our Thriving Families Facebook group at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. This is a free Facebook group. If you're not into Facebook, no big deal. Check me out on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and at Andy Hill MKM on Twitter and Facebook. We can chat there and keep the connection alive. I hope to see you either way. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Anne Frank. 
Parents can only give good advice or put them on the right paths, but the final forming of a person's character lies in their own hands. Best of luck in raising smart, independent, and service-driven kids, everyone. Carpe diem! 